Welcome to the Marriage Professors Podcast. You are here with Dr. Cassandra Bolar. I am so excited that you are joining me for episode six, where we are going to focus on the top five needs of husbands and wives. And you know, at the end of the day, when you get married, there are certain needs that can only be fulfilled by your spouse. And so we are going to delve into those top five needs, and this can serve as a cheat sheet for you. So as an overview for today's podcast, we are going to start off by discussing Dr. Eli Finkel's suffocation model of marriage. I'm going to go more deeply into that. I've talked about it. I've highlighted it some in some previous podcasts, but I am going to dig deeply into the concept so that you can understand it. And then secondly, we're going to talk about principles for meeting your spouse's needs. And the great thing about principles is principles work regardless of who worked them, okay? And then we're going to talk about the top five needs for wives, and then we'll talk about the top five needs for husbands. And lastly, we will discuss some action steps. Because as I always say, even doubling back to the podcast that looked at the success path for marriage, all of this wonderful information doesn't mean much if we don't implement it and execute it. So let's go ahead and go right along into the content for today's podcast. So when we're looking at the suffocation model, what is the premise behind it? So what we know now is that contemporary married couples, now more than ever, we expect the most from marriage. So there are greater demands on marriage than have ever been before in history. So, and where does this come from? So previously, historically, marriage served a very pragmatic purpose, such as people got married to meet basic instrumental needs, such as securing housing, children, food, and shelter. And, you know, I am very grateful that we're beyond that point. But, you know, now today, we expect so much more from marriage. And so from Dr. Eli Finkel's um, suffocation model on marriage, now we don't just want those basic needs. Um, You know, we have higher needs. We want to reach those self-actualization goals. We want our spouse now to help us become the best version of ourselves. And, you know, where we see is that Dr. Eli Finkel explained that we get suffocated by these high expectations for marriage. And the reason why we can become suffocated by these high expectations for marriage is because people usually are not equipped with the knowledge and skills that are needed to climb the mountain to reach those higher level desires and needs for marriage. And so he, the backdrop that he uses for this model is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. So the fact is, as I always talk about, getting to that point of marital success is like climbing a mountain. But the reality is that most people are poorly equipped. 
So, and they also don't dedicate the time that is needed to climb the mountain, nor do they highly prioritize their marriage. Now, for me, I am not against these higher level desires and expectations that we have for marriage, right? But I believe that we need to have a balanced approach when we understand in understanding which ones can be fulfilled in marriage and which ones can only be fulfilled in our personal relationship with the Lord. I love how Dr. Um, Timothy Keller, I don't know if he's a doctor, he's actually a pastor um, in New York, but I love how he talks about in the purpose of marriage, how you know he references research and historical findings whereby there was a place in our heart that we reserved for the Lord for fulfillment. And now we are in the era of romanticism. And in this era, what we see is that a lot of people now, the the, the sense of self, the sense of joy that they they would that they thought the Lord could fulfill, they're now looking to their spouse to be their all in all. And so what I think is really important is to understand what parts of your heart are truly reserved for the Lord and then what parts of your heart or can your partner potentially impact. But at the end of the day, even if you have a perfect marriage, that within itself will not completely fulfill you because you have a mandate on your life. And the purpose that God has put on you, there's going to come a fulfillment from that. From you fulfilling your purpose, that's going to fill your bucket in ways that marriage alone cannot do. But marriage can definitely be, it can help foster that. And there can be a collective vision and mission and purpose of your marriage. But if you're looking to your spouse to make you happy, if you're looking to your spouse to make your life feel fulfilled, you'll become disillusioned by marriage. So now I want to compare um, Dr. Eli Finkel's suffocation model to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So that's what he does actually in his suffocation model. And if you're not familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what it posits is that there are some lower level basic needs that we have. Things such as safety, control, there are some basic psychological needs that we have, you know, clothing, shelter, things of that nature. And the reality is that when you are not And when you are unable to meet those basic needs, you're not concerned about those higher level needs, such as self-actualization needs, self-expression, personal growth, and things of that nature. Now, so when we were thinking about historically, based on Dr. Eli Finkel's suffocation model, we had a very pragmatic view toward marriage, whereby, you know, you would get married to secure shelter to have kids, meet those basic needs. But now we've progressed beyond that point to the era of it being a love-based marriage. Now, 
the love-based marriage was kind of prevalent in the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, but now we've gone to an even higher level of marriage whereby we want our marriage to be a self-expressive marriage, whereby we can express ourselves, reach our idealized version of ourselves, reach this degree of high personal growth and autonomy, And so now people are looking to marriage to be a tool for getting to that place. So, but now those high expectations, that's at the top of the mountain. But sometimes as Dr. Eli Finkel was saying that those high expectations kind of suffocate us because people have these high expectations, but they may not be willing to dedicate the time, the effort, nor have the tools to climb that mountain. So that's, I want you to have that as a backdrop because you want to keep those needs in perspective, right? Because even though we have these critical needs in our roles that only our spouse can fulfill, we don't want those expectations to be to be so smothering to where if they don't do that, then we are just beyond ourselves. And when we think about covenant, when we think about covenant, covenant is fulfilling your responsibilities of the marriage regardless of the input of your spouse. Now, I know that may be hard to, to that may be hard to swallow, but, you know, hopefully both partners are committed to that and committed to growing closer to God as they grow closer to one another. So the very, very first principle we're thinking about meeting those essential needs of your spouse is that number one, you are the only person who can meet your spouse's deepest marital needs. Let that sink in. Like the needs of the marriage You are the only person who can fulfill them, that not your parents, not your spouse's parents, not their friends, but you are the person who signed up to meet the needs that can only be met in marriage. And we most definitely don't want them to seek other places, right? And so, you know, that's the role that we signed up for. And the second principle is to not have to guess. You want to become aware of each other's emotional needs and learn how to meet them. That's actually a direct quote from um, Willard Harley. And we're going to be focusing actually on some of the findings from his book for today's podcast with regard to the top five needs for husbands and wives. So become aware of each other's emotional needs and learn how to meet them. And I think the interesting thing is that sometimes the emotional needs of your partner could be totally different from your own. So in our effort to be proactive in our effort to meet their needs, we're meeting them in a way that oftentimes resonates with us. And so what's really critical to even keep in context is that definitely there's going to be variability 
This is what we see on the aggregate level for husbands and wives, but you want to tailor what you're giving to the love language of your spouse. And if you haven't taken, oh, I think that's probably one of the action steps that I have at the end. But if you don't know your your spouse's specific love language, take that quiz. It takes about five minutes um, to complete it and it'll give you insight on how to tailor your giving of love and meeting their needs and emotional needs in a way that truly resonates with them. The third principle is that we're thinking about meeting each other's critical needs in marriage is that we are in a covenant. And so you are in a covenant and you made a sacred promise to God and your spouse to meet your spouse's need. Did you know that even research shows that when you see your marriage as a sacred commitment, that you tend to have higher levels of stability and satisfaction? So this whole element of having this sacred commitment that involves not just you and your spouse, it actually works well for you and your marriage. And so just remember that you're in covenant. This is more than just a contract, but you're in covenant and there are three. And definitely that threefold cord can, you know, give you a lot of strength. So that is the third Principle. So I kind of wanted to kind of lay that groundwork before we talk about the uh, the top five needs. And essentially, this is all about building your awareness, building your awareness of your spouse's needs. And the beautiful thing is that we're always growing and we're always learning. And your spouse is always growing and, and and changing as well. So you may have to adapt your methods and adapt your tactics. So, but before we go into the needs, what essentially uh, is the role of a wife um, biblically? Okay. And so there are ladies, wives out there are soon to be wives or women who desire to be wives. There has always been a critical need for you and what you provide. From the very beginning of time, there has been a critical need for you and mankind. And so even when we go back, back, back to the beginning where it says, the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet. You know, help meet sounds really soft compared to the power that it packs. But when we actually dig down into the Hebrew meaning of the word help meet, it means ezer. And ezer means strength, power, rescue. And, and so it's ezer connecto in the Hebrew. And connecto means alongside, counterpart. And the beauty of that is that it illustrates the beauty of being an equal partner with your husband and a source of strength and encouragement. And and I I learned from a book called Captivating as well that Ezer was referenced in the Bible during the times where people desperately needed the Lord's help and strength to come through for them. 
So that's your role. There's a strength, a unique strength that you provide that's needed in times where there's a desperate need, a desperate help. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a very, very powerful, powerful, powerful role. And so even within that role, that strength comes in providing support, providing encouragement, providing honor and respect. Because oftentimes for men, that's just how they receive love. (laughs) And even the submission component. Now, I know that submission has sometimes been considered a byword. But submission is an honorable act that definitely brings blessings into your marriage. And it's something that both husbands and wives can do, right? And I know sometimes that sometimes there could be some, ooh, you know, even hearing that word, it can kind of conjure up some a lot of emotion. But, you know, it could that could potentially come from someone who tried to abuse the role of being a husband, you know, and and really it's really being influenced and deferring to the role of the husband. And when we take a deeper dive into submission, it's the wife when she undergirds the mission of the marriage. And submission is ultimately service unto the Lord. And so that means to really yield yourself to the power or authority of another, defer to another's judgment, opinion, decisions. And this is another encouraging piece. I say in situations where you defer to your husband, you are ultimately yielding to the Lord because godly, a godly husband will definitely seek guidance and wisdom from the Lord for his leadership and decision making in the home. And influence, it definitely goes both ways. And a caring husband will consider your thoughts, feelings, and ideas and accept your influence as well. And so, you know, submission as a, I want to reference here Ephesians 5.21, where it says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so submission is a way for both the husband and the wife to reverence and honor God. But then there are some clear instructions for the role of the wife, which it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So it's a service unto the Lord. And I love this one. This really sums it up really nicely when it talks about, you know, the role of being a support and loving. And this is in the Amplified um, Ephesians 5 and 33, where it says, and let the wife see that she respects and reverence her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that he she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. I tell you, doing all that, his bucket will be so full. Yes, yes, yes. But now that's on the roll side. But what are some of those critical top needs of wives? Now this comes from his needs and her needs. But essentially, your wife wants to know she's number one, guys. I'm giving you, I'm giving you a cheat sheet. <laughs> so she definitely wants to know that she's loved and cherished and preferred above anyone else, right? And she definitely needs 
your spiritual leadership in the home, especially if she's a woman of God, she's going to definitely need for you to lead in that area. But when we go to those top five needs, affection, right? And affection is that non-sexual touch. It's that, it's that, those sweet touchings and connection and kisses and things of that nature, holding her hand in public. Uh, all of that is definitely very important. Now, the second top most important need is communication and conversation because women naturally, this is at the aggregate level, and granted, there's a lot of variability, but oftentimes women are connectors. They love to use com- communication to connect and communicating their feelings. And so one thing you want to be mindful of is that when there's a problem that comes up, she just may want to talk about it. Maybe not solve the problem, but be able to express her emotions and her feelings in a way that brings about connection. Number three is a sense of trust, honesty, and openness right? She needs that transparency. She needs that degree of openness. And number four is financial security. Doesn't mean you have to be rich, but she needs that stability and that security. I even see this in my research um, from, you know, I also teach a personal relationships class in a psychology of love course. And even research shows that women are more discriminating when looking for a potential long-term mate with respect to um, find with respect to resources. So women are more discriminating on that and men are actually more discriminating on looks. So financial security is oftentimes very, very critical. And then lastly, the fifth one is family commitment and being a good father. I tell you, even from my own personal experience, just watching, you know, my husband with my kids, it's just like, it makes you fall in love with them all over again, you know, and that is very, very critical. And And thinking about, you know, building, you know, a loving family, building a kingdom marriage, building, you know, a marriage that also honors God is you definitely want to be able to create that strong foundation that a father provides so critical. You know, I do a lot of research. A lot of my um, dissertation research was on fatherhood and father involvement. And what we see is that dads, they have a unique contribution to the home and their child's development, such that even fathers reading regularly to their children, there's like a different positive outcome on the children's academic um, achievement, you know, and and so, and then also too, like with being involved in caretaking activities and, and there's, it's such, it's a, there's a unique contribution of the fathers, um, of the, of, of, of fathers in the home. And if you're interested in, um, learning a little bit more about that and the research behind it, do, um, Dr. Michael E. Lamb is a paramount researcher when it comes to the fatherhood, uh, field. So, That's a wonderful resource for you there as well. So now we're going to dig into the role of a husband. Here we go. So when we're thinking about husbands, um, Ephesians 5th chapter is always a wonderful reference. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And essentially, the husband is the visionary and servant leader of the family. 
Christ gave his life. He's one of the best examples of being a good husband. It's from Christ and his relationship with the church. And so because he was a servant leader who was literally willing to sacrifice it all, he gave his life. He showed that the church was his priority. So in learning from Christ's example, you know, he spent intimate time with the father so that he could fulfill his mission and get direction. I always say that it's very important, especially for uh, men before they get married, to know their purpose and gain clarity on the mission God has for you to fulfill in the earth. Because, you know, when you don't have insight on that, it's kind of hard to lead because you don't quite know where you're going. And so definitely spend that intimate time so that you can get direction on the collect your individual purpose, um, as well as the collective purpose of the marriage. Now, when we're thinking about this servant leadership, it isn't this bullheaded, you know, type of leadership, but this is a servant type of leadership in which the husband is willing to sacrifice the pleasures of his own life for his wife and family. It is ultimately as well a display of love for yourself and your family. And I think a really wonderful um, key scripture in that is where it says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so when we're thinking about spiritual leadership in particular, You know, in consideration of Jesus' example, he also fed the church, both naturally and spiritually. So your intimate time, husbands, as an encouragement uh, with the Lord, it will provide you with spiritual sustenance for you to share with your wife. Right. And, you know, and being on point in this area is going to be something very it's going to also develop a sense of security in your wife as well. And that'll be very, very important for her with that respect. Okay, And um, one thing I want to encourage you guys with, um, I'm also a marriage and family therapist and, you know, With that security piece and providing, I think sometimes when we think about resources, we just think about the financial resources and the provision of the financial resources, but there's also a provision of emotional resources as well. And, you know, one thing that is really critical as a a developmentally for any marriage early on is that, you know, an important developmental task that must be achieved early on in marriage is to create, leave the security of your family of origin and cleave to your spouse, right? And so that leaving and cleaving component and a strong sense of emotional and financial security, it definitely assists with this process. It's not just the money, but it's even, it's just the emotional support as well. And this development of this culture is definitely, is driven by the husband. And so, you know, Oftentimes, I can sometimes see in therapy where people will come in and I can tell that they haven't achieved this developmental task. Um, Their security comes from, you know, their parents still. You know, if they have a huge major decision, they're probably calling on their parents. Um, Or so what you want to do is early on solidify 
your marriage by creating this sense of security. And you can do that, of course, financially, but emotionally as well. That is very, very key. So now we're going to go into the top five needs for husbands. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read that book called Love and Respect, but respect is, this is kind of really grounded in that because oftentimes that's how uh, men receive love. So we'll go ahead and get into the top number one need. What do you think it is? It is sexual fulfillment. Yes, yes, yes. For for husbands, this is a need and not only a desire. So what we see, the beautiful thing about sex is that it solidifies your bond with your spouse. And literally, even at a chemical level, what happens is, you know, during sex, oxytocin is released. And oxytocin is the bonding chemical. It was, it's also released during nursing and it's released during birth. It's the very thing that connects us with other human beings because we are relational beings. And so sexual fulfillment, it is critical and it is usually the number one top need of husbands. And that's, you know, as I was saying before, as a principal, when you get married, you sign up to be their only source to fulfill these marital needs. Okay, just as a reminder. And then number two, recreational companionship. So for men, you know, when you think about it, what do they do? They go play basketball with the boys or, you know, or go out in the deer stand hunting or, you know, just enjoying time together. So recreational companionship is critical. And oftentimes it's during those times of that recreational companionship that they open up and they talk. And so it's very critical. And it can also be another means for bonding as well. Because when you do new novel, when you engage in novel activities with your partner, it releases dopamine. And that is that feel good feeling. And so you'll start to associate your partner with feeling good. And that's definitely going to work for your bond in your marriage. And three, they also having an attractive partner and spouse is definitely important for them. It ranks as number three. As I was saying before, when I was referencing the research for when people are looking for long-term mates, how um, women are more discriminating when it comes to financial resources and just resources and support in general, men are more discriminating on physical attractiveness, okay? Um, For domestic support and peace, having the home is a wonderful safe haven. And lastly, number five, husband wants his wife to be proud, proud of him. That admiration is definitely very important. And the things that you admire when you focus in on the things that you like, wives, you actually get an opportunity to see more of it. It fosters getting more of that. It kind of serves as positive reinforcement. And that's definitely very key and critical for husbands. And so as we leave out today's podcast, I want to leave you with action steps. Because as I always say, all of this wonderful knowledge and gaining this information, unless we implement it and execute it, it doesn't do us that much good. So I have a few action steps that I want you to put forth. 
first, we want to ensure that we're speaking our spouse's love language. And so if you've never taken the love languages quiz, I would encourage you to do so. And even if you have taken it, sometimes your needs change. We are yet transitioning and morphing through all these wonderful stages in life. And so one may rise to the top today that may be different from times past. So I would encourage you to take that love language quiz and email your results to your spouse. And the second action step I would recommend would be ask for feedback. You know, sometimes we, that's the only way we'll be able to gauge how we're doing. So there are two questions you can ask. One is, what do you enjoy the most about how I meet your most critical needs? And then the second question you can ask, you know, for areas of improvement would be, what would you like to see more of? How can I potentially do a better job at meeting your most critical needs? And the third piece would be something I want you to commit to. This is a little homework. I guess I wouldn't be the marriage professor if I didn't give a little homework. So this is another uh, action step that I want you to take possibly today or this week and do one thing that would really hit your partner's love need on the head. They're number one. So their number one love need. How could you just hit that on the nail? And I'm just here to support you all. I am so excited for you. You know, marriage is definitely a gift and we want to manage this gift well. And when we do, we reap some amazing rewards from it. So you all can always check me out. I have a weekly Facebook Live on the Uplifting Relationships Facebook page. And of course, I'm here um, on the Marriage Professors podcast. And I'm just here to serve you. If there's anything that you would like for me to cover as a topic, feel free to email me directly at Cassandra at upliftingrelationships.com. Well, you guys take good care. And until next time, this is Dr. Bolar signing off. You all take care.